Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I'm uh, receiving quite a few emails about the interview with uh, Jane Philpott, the federal health minister. I know the ministry people are going to be listening in and want to know what the response is and uh, probably have some issues to deal with after that interview, including the minister telling us that it is between the the, via, the pain uh, patient and the um, the doctor, the health care provider, to determine what pain meds are required for the patient. And if those are opioids, then minister, what I heard you say, so be it. So you have to stand behind that. No longer target the vulnerable. And when you suggest that prescription heroin be given to drug addicts, and then a couple of days later, three more safe injection sites are open in Toronto, it runs counterintuitively to... uh, what makes sense. Sherilyn sent this email. I want to thank you for your show very much. My Saturday and Sunday are enjoyed by the afternoon delight of hearing your talk show. Thank you, Sherilyn. It's informative, thought-provoking, and please carry on holding the federal government's feet to the fire. I'm your fan. Well, then she continues, fantastic reporting with our federal health minister. Please state again how pain management guidelines and restrictions are placing a stranglehold on our doctors to help manage their pain, pain which is causing good people and horrific pain levels to be going underground for pain relief. More studies and homework, unfortunately, must be sought out. She writes, I know a case where a firefighter took his life 10 years ago for the very reason of pain. A good man and a very sad result. I'd say so. And there's no excuse. We've been providing excuses. But there's no excuse. We've been providing excuses by not holding their feet to the fire, by not investigating what really is the obvious, and finding the flaws that are staring you right in the face. It wasn't nuclear science for me to figure out what's wrong. It didn't take weeks and months of study collaboratively with other experts to, do, to, to come up with the questions I had for the minister couple of hours, 
some cross-referencing, a couple of oh-my-gods, and a couple of other stronger exclamations, and we had all we needed. Well, I haven't used everything yet. I haven't used everything yet. I still have more that I haven't used yet. Some few things I'm saving for the provincial health minister, who really has no reason not to appear on this program after his federal counterpart did. Now, the Ontario Minister of Health should really show up because what they've done is they've taken away all funding for opioid pain meds and the elderly on fixed incomes particularly, or anyone with a marginal amount of money to live on who's living with chronic pain cannot afford these medications anymore. Your doctors, how the hell do you sleep? When you go out to the restaurant with a government credit card, do you ever think about the people who are in their homes crying? I'm not being overly dramatic. This is happening. The Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm. Alicia Raimondo is a young Canadian named one of 2012 Faces of Mental Illness. She's spoken at the Clinton Global Initiative as well as the United Nations International Youth Day at the UN headquarters in New York City. She has been described as a mental health superhero for sharing her experiences dealing with depression, anxiety, and attempted suicide. She's the author of Red Carnation, a book that's being used in grade 8 classrooms across Canada. And Alicia is going public with her battle with an eating disorder. And anytime you go public with something that is intensely personal, that is a commitment, and that's a tremendous amount of personal courage, and it motivates other people to feel, hey, if... That person can do it, and that person can face up to it. Maybe I can, too. Alicia, it's a pleasure to speak with you. You, too. So when you hear someone say you're a mental health superhero, which means that you've helped, which means that you've made an impression, which means that you have motivated somebody to, to face challenges, must make you feel really good to know that you did that at a time in your life when you were actually yourself were quite vulnerable. For sure. I have unfortunately lost a number of friends to suicide. I've lost 14 friends. And it really inspired me to be honest with my own struggles, be honest with my, at first, anxiety and depression. But then what was the hardest thing to be honest with was my binge eating because there was so much stigma and so much lack of understanding around that. And for me, I just really want to live out loud and show other people, especially young people, that um, what they're living with is real and valid and that someone else has gone through it and has gotten through it and there's hope. And so from losing 14 friends to suicide, I've received almost 200 message, messages from people saying that I helped them turn away from suicide and ask for help. And I think my latest journey of being honest with my binge eating disorder 
uh, has had such huge impact. So many people didn't know that this was a disorder and that it made so much sense for their life and have since been able to get help. And I'm really proud of that. And it, eating disorders are a particular issue with the younger people. I don't, I'm not saying only younger people, mm-hmm. but it's a particular issue with younger people because self-image is so critically important. I think a lot of people live their whole life with issues with eating and they just don't recognize that it's a disordered issue of eating. Of course, young people, because they're still trying to figure out who they are, but I've received messages from people in their 60s and their 70s saying that they had lived with an eating disorder their whole life, but they never heard a story that resonated with them that showed them that there was something to what they were going through and that there was help out there and and relief out there. So would you describe first, please, what your particular eating disorder, uh, how it manifests itself? How does binge eating uh, manifest itself? And I found it interesting when I was reading a piece about you Mm -hmm. that here you'd been open with about your life to so many people. You've made such an impact uh, internationally. Young people look to you and consider you to be a mental health hero. And and yet here you were engaging in in this binge eating, and you didn't really quite understand or hadn't connected that this was your problem now, and, and, and now that you've been dubbed a mental health superhero, and appropriately so, how do you tell people that I have this problem, right? So when I actually realized that I had binge eating disorder, I was already being very honest with my anxiety and depression and sharing stories. And it was just people dealt with binge eating disorder so differently. When I would try to talk to my doctor and tell them that, I'm just out of control of my eating. When when a binge eating episode is coming on, I order food from five different places so they're never delivered by the same people and I eat way too much and I'm not in control and then I feel so much shame and then I then that causes me to binge again another day feeling that I'm out of control. And all of these doctors and people who I knew understood anxiety and depression just told me that I didn't have willpower, that it that it was a weakness, that I just needed to be stronger and fight the cravings. And they really just didn't understand what I was going through. And that's why it's so important for me to raise it, uh, awareness about eating, binge eating disorder because so few doctors even understand it. And I was living this double life where I was on stage and talking about being honest, but still because my uh, opportunities to reach out about binge eating had gone so badly that I wasn't being honest. And it wasn't until uh, World Eating Disorder Week uh, two years ago that I decided to open up and say, hey, I was portraying this perfect and recovered person, but I'm still dealing with this binge eating disorder. And it meant to just show people that even though they put me on this pedestal and say that I'm so much better and so much recovered, that I was still struggling and that I was still going through hard things, and I just really wanted to live more honestly with people following me online or people who know me in my communities, that that this was a really hard thing. And even though I had struggled and overcome so much, that I was still stuck and still struggling with this, something that even going back to the age of six, I could see myself, remember myself binge eating. I bet you there are people listening to us right now who are binge eaters. Mm-hmm. And and don't even recognize it. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about what people I've seen people do. And we have to take a break, and we'll come back after that. But I, what I, Alicia, what I've seen people do, mm-hmm. you've been at their house, right? You're having a conversation, you're playing a game, watching a movie, whatever. 
And all of a sudden, they get up and they walk over to the fridge. They open the fridge. They look inside and they close the door. <laughs> they don't take anything out, but it's it's a habitual thing. They mm-hmm. walk over to the fridge. They look inside. They don't take anything out. And then they go sit down again. When they're at home alone, I suspect there are things coming out of that fridge fairly quickly. Yeah. And so let me, t- let, me take a quick, let me take a quick yeah. break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about this some more. Now, if you are listening to this program now, and you know about Alicia, Alicia Raimondo, and uh, you have a binge eating issue or have a question for her, we'll be able to take one or two calls at 800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. Alicia Raimondo, young Canadian, named one of 2012's faces of mental illness, and uh, she spoke at the... United Nations headquarters in New York City at the UN International Youth Day. Takes sometimes takes a young person to talk to other young people. We'll come right back. He's like a superhero without the costume. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Coming up in the next half hour, it's Beauties and the Beast with Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, and Michelle Simpson, our weekly non-politically correct fest of getting at the uh, stories that are making headlines, not only in this country, but um, around the world. Alicia Raimondo is my guest. At AliciaRaimondo.com is her website. She's a young Canadian, and uh, as I've been telling you, named uh, one of 2012's Faces of Mental Illness, and uh, she spoke at the Clinton Global Initiative. Her book... Red Carnation, which um, uh, deals with the uh, depression, anxiety, and attempted suicide. The book is used in grade 8 classrooms across this country. That is, uh, that's an amazing honor, you know. You're, so, Alicia, your, your message to young people is so respected mm-hmm. that your book is being taught, uh, being made sort of mandatory in grade 8 classrooms across Canada. Let me ask you, does it take a... a, a a younger person to be able to communicate properly with younger people? If, if, if I, for example, as a baby boomer, were to try to hold forth uh, about binge eating and eating disorders, would young people tune me out? I, I think it depends on one thing, really, is that young people really just like when people are transparent, when people are honest with them. Right. You know, sometimes it does take looking like them to get past that trust barrier. But I honestly think what they need from people around them is for them to be vulnerable and them to be honest and and you know, and just say, you know, I struggled with this and I don't have all the answers, but I know that it's really hard. And you and you, I, you were very open about your uh, about your issues uh, about mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, attempted suicide. You tell us fourteen of your friends took their lives. That's a that's an awful situation to sort of to bear uh, as you go through your young years, knowing fourteen of your friends have done that. And binge eating can, and eating disorders can, in fact, and do claim lives. Um, mm-hmm. Young people, I had a, a teenager, yes, I sound like an old fart, but I had a teenager in the, te- in the studio, a teenager, that's when I was a kid, we called them teenagers, um, young girl who was, um, she was um, anorexic. Mm-hmm. And she was down to, I think, 50 or 55 pounds. 
And she, she stood in the studio. She wouldn't sit down. She had the, um, maybe her folks are listening. Uh, her, young, her younger brother made me aware of her, said, please talk to my sister. And she stood in the studio, and she wouldn't sit down. She had to keep moving because it, she was burning up calories. She felt like she needed to lose weight. She understood that she wasn't heavy. She understood that she had a, a mental health issue, but she didn't know what to do about it. So how do you approach the issue of, of your binge eating? What do you do, and what's the advice to people who would identify with it? So what has been really helpful to me at first was finding other people living with binge eating disorder. So finding other communities, other whether they're online or in person, and being able to talk through what I was going through was hugely validating. And then from there, finding a healthcare professional that understands the illness and that can listen to me with empathy and support and get me uh, diagnosed with this so that I could have access to treatment programs. And treatment programs that are really helpful for me have been like uh, one-on-one counseling, therapy, and groups with other people with binge eating disorder have been human- like just hugely helpful to me. I don't know if I would say that I have recovered from it completely, but I've made great strides just being able to realize it's real and be with other people who want to talk to me about it. So what is it, what was it, what is it that would have caused you to engage in binge eating? It's not something you would have planned all day, is it? I would have planned it, I usually plan it um, a couple hours beforehand okay. and I justify it in my mind why it's an okay thing to do. Okay. Um, and it, sometimes it's after a really stressful day, um, but it's also happened over uh, after days that were really happy and I find for me the only pattern I can find is intense emotion whether it's extreme happiness or extreme sadness and then I engage in a binge eating for me though it's also very cyclical if I've binged recently it makes it more likely that I'll binge again and what's the we have about a minute left here what is the what is the first rule uh, rules sound so definitive uh, what's the first initiative you undertook and that you still employ now that helps you deal with the urge to binge eat? The first and the most helpful thing is just educating people around me around what it is and what helps me not engage in it and what helps support me after I have binge eating, not to shame me, not to tell me I have no willpower, but to sit with me and understand what I'm going through and give me a hug and support me if I tell you that I'm going to binge and income, approach it with love and support instead of shaming and guilting. Yeah. Is it a mental health issue? I would say absolutely. I would say all eating disorders mental, are mental health issues that are made worse with any comorbid mental health issues you might have with it. And the person who is a binge eater, if they think about it, they know. I, I think that they know or they know that they've had a very unhealthy relationship with food their whole life. and. So I would say reach out and ask and talk to someone okay. about what you're going through. I hope you'll come back. I'd like to have you back on the show. Oh, I would love to be back. Thanks for the time today. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Alicia Raimondo and uh, her website is com. When we come back, it's the beauties, Catherine, Linda, and Michelle. <laughs> 